I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to Cinematic Universe, the second half of our 2018 award show, affectionately called The Cuppies. Um, I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help hand out some awards are... Some Sir Patrick. <laughs> and James Hunt. James loves The Cuppies. Um, we'll skip all the nonsense and we'll just dive straight back in because, I mean... You might have been gone a week, but we've been gone five minutes. Um, and I think, we I think you underestimate how many people would listen to the second half of our award show, but not the first half. I mean, who knows? I mean, guys, if you're doing that, probably go back and listen to the first half. Don't don't recommend. The first this half's is, this more is sober. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, let's kick off our second half with the best supporting actress category. Um, well, I I just like to kick off the house with the supporting actor feels it it feels the the right thing to do. Um, last year this was won by Scarlett Johansson for the Avengers. It was won by Tilda Swinton the year before for Doctor Strange and Chloe Moretz the year before that for Kickass. Um, making the final five this year, Kat Dennings for Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Catherine Hahn for Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Lupita Nyong'o for Black Panther. Zazie Beats for Deadpool 2 and Letitia Wright for Black Panther. Um, uh, some, some of the names that missed out, Hannah John Kamen just missing out for Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Dania Guerrera for um, Black Panther and also Infinity War. Uh, Seb, you were, you were keen on an tool for Superman 3, but James and I did not share your passion there. I, I, I'm not surprised by that. I'm just annoyed at both of you. <laughs> and James, in his original nominations, nominated both Brianna Hildebrand and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, the character. <laughs> yeah, I put that in as a note for myself and then forgot. <laughs> but, I mean, you only nominated five, so it wasn't like there was a sixth one. So No, I, I forgot Kat Dennings first time around, actually. Right, okay. <laughs> That's the last time you'll ever do that. um so uh i I think probably we're not going to give this to cat dennings are we we never do (laughs) this is her last chance i know but she's she's just fine she's i mean if if you're ever going to give it to her surely it's for the film where she says where she coins? Is it this one where she coins Mio Mio? No, it's this one. Oh, where she in the first one? She okay. reprises it here. Uh, it's okay. funny when she reprises it. Yeah. yeah, and she's just hanging out with Ian in this movie. And I know that's not Cat Dennings's fault, but I don't remember her being a particularly integral or interesting part of this movie. To be honest with you, 
I mean, you have a very different memory of Thor 2 than me, clearly. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, Black Panther um, actresses. So, as I said, uh, Danae Guerrero just missing out. I, I would, I, I, I nominated all three of them um, because I thought they were all great. And actually, like, I mean, I nearly said when when you said Lapis and Yongo, I nearly said, "Hang on, you've got the wrong one in there." But <laughs> uh, no, that's just that's just the way it worked out until <laughs> the the final votes were counted. Um, yeah, I, I I think I probably would have preferred. <laughs> Danigarira to uh, Lupita Nyong'o, but I think they're all fantastic. And you know, I think you could have made a case for Angela Bassett as well. Um, it's it, it says a lot about Black Panther and this world of characters that it introduces, and the fact that you know, uh, unlike a lot of other Marvel films that I like a lot, like Captain America: uh, The First Avenger, which has a, a astounding supporting cast, but it's very very male. Um, so I think it's, you know, huge credit to Black Panther that it introduces these female characters, that the characters themselves are well written, that they they have arcs, that they, you know, are, are just as compelling and in many cases more so than the male characters around them. Um, And there's so many of them. But the the two we've ended up with are Lupita Nyong'o and Letitia Wright. Uh, guys, do we all agree that probably Letitia Wright edges this? I, I don't, I don't, think, so I don't think edges is the right word. Um, that's what I mean about I, I mean, I think she's, yeah, she's one of the best things about the supporting cast of the film. Um, you know, that that character is so much fun. And, and she's obviously having so much fun with it. And it's one of those things that it makes a difference in a film when it comes across that someone is just just really enjoying playing a character like that, which she absolutely is. So The fact, I think, that as soon as that, you know, as soon as the film came out, people were like, "Are we getting your Shuri spinoff?" <laughs> you know, she, and they put could her. She, in Infinity could she be War the next Iron Man? Well, they put her in Infinity War on the strength of her performance in Black yeah. Panther, right? So, yeah, know, it feels if, like it. if she can write herself into that movie just by existing, how much proof do you need that she's, you know, worthy of winning this category? Well, let's talk about the other nominees. Um, Catherine Hahn in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, rare that we get uh, voice performances in here, but I think it was just so delightful, the Catherine Hahn performance, mm. um, that it was it was hard to deny. And I mean, it helps as well. I've literally just been re-watching... Uh, well, I'll, I'll re-watch of Parks and Rec. We've just been on the back end of season four, so we've just had Catherine mm. Hahn as Jen Barkley. Um throughout that so that would that was in my mind as well but i mean she's a fantastic actress i i I, private life is probably one of my favorite movies of the last few months which is on netflix and she's really really great in that like i i I wonder whether she's gonna get um oscar buzz for that um she's great I, i i would find it difficult to reward a voice performance here um above the other performances but i do think she's great um, and then the only other one we haven't spoken about yet is Zazie Beats, who I think we all described as just a breath of fresh air in the middle of Deadpool 2. Mm. She is, she she's just effortlessly charming. The character is fun. Um, and- I would say the, the difference between Zazie Beats and, say, Letitia Wright is that she just doesn't have the layers. Like, it's a great performance, but it's a very simple performance. 
Well, just l- less to do, do you mean? Yeah, I mean, the character as written doesn't have anything to do except, mm. you know, be cool. I mean, does does Cherie have a lot to do beyond being cool? She's I know she's 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 like fun younger sister, right? Yeah, but like she she has different relationships with different characters, right? Like she's got the kind of you know, irritating little sister thing for T'Challa and she's got the um uh what's I've forgotten T'Challa's girlfriend's name. Nakia. Nakia. She's got the sort of, you know, Pally thing going on with Nakia. Yeah. You know, then she's got her parents in the mix as well. Like it's all in there. I mean, I do think she's she's really, really charming and I you know, I kind of uh, maybe equate the performance with uh Tom Holland in uh, Civil War. You kind of you just immediately think, Oh wow, they've got that so so right. When can I see more of this character? Um yeah. and, and I mean particularly again, those two. You want those two to hang out, don't you? As well as getting her in Infinity War, they also basically created a Shuri comic because everyone went, oh, Shuri's great, isn't she? And Marvel mm. were like, yeah, she is. Let's rush out a comic. <laughs> okay. Um, guys, from from those nominees, James, I, I, I'm assuming you're going Letitia, right? Yep. Seb? If I can't go in Eto Tool, then... Uh, <laughs> you cannot, <laughs> no. <laughs> Just... Okay, you make so... a mockery of these awards sometimes. <laughs> what? She's great. She's great in that film. The she's not nominated. Chemistry with Christopher Reeve. Um, Seb, she's not nominated. No, but that's not making a mockery to say she should have been. <laughs> Phyllis Dunn. No, it, 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 uh, yeah, for all the reasons we've said, Letitia Wright. So Letitia Wright is the winner of Best Sporting Actress this year. Um, let's move on uh, to. Best casting, which is always a hotly contested um, category, I, I think, especially because you you kind of the superhero movies by their nature have such huge sprawling casts, um, and in the age of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, these movies have been especially good at putting together these really impressive ensembles and have been able to kind of attract most of the time, whatever talent they want. So the previous winners in this category, last year it was actually a TV show, it was The Tick. Um, the year before that, it was Captain America, The First Avenger, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World in our first year. Uh, the nominees this year are Captain America, The Winter Soldier, The Rocketeer, Men in Black, Into the Spider-Verse, and Black Panther. So just missing out, guys, Aquaman, Incredibles 2, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm going to make the same argument that I feel like I have to make with you every year. You can't give a movie credit for casting someone that was cast in previous installments. Yeah, I didn't nominate Infinity War for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, are we going... Have we nominated Winter Soldier based on the strength of Robert Redford? Because I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't feel like a significant I mean, my, enough my contribution this, to me. My pick for this is Black Panther anyway, so you know. The only bad casting in Black Panther is the one that the film didn't really do, so oh, I guess Martin Freeman was he? Mm. Wait, what's bad I, casting? I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't say that's bad casting. I think Martin Freeman is very no, no, well no, no. cast I meant, I meant as the Chadwick Boseman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say can't... Martin Freeman was well cast as the the useless white guy in that <laughs> film. <laughs> I can't, I can't disagree with you more about Chadwick Boseman. I think like 
I think Chadwick Boseman does <clears throat> a, a, an incredible job with what he's asked to do in that movie. He is he is given the least flashy role possible. Um and I I think the reason I think the the reason you believe in the rest of that world because what he is ultimately what matters the most to so many of those characters in that movie for whether whether that is on a personal level or for what he represents. Uh but I think he I think he achieves that in in a I mean a I'm, huge way. I'm being slightly glib, but I, you know, I do think every, every casting, every piece of casting in Black Panther, and especially the ones that debut in that film, is great. So, yeah, you know, it's just as an ensemble, there's not a weak link in that entire chain. I would make the same argument about Spider-Verse, though. Hmm. I, yeah, it's very tough. Uh I think those are the two in this category. I think Men in Black is great, but um, I know that even on the episode there was arguments about um, Linda <laughs> Fiorentino. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I wonder how hard it was to cast Will Smith and Tommy, <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones in those roles. <laughs> you want someone to be a curmudgeon and someone to be cool. <laughs> okay, Yeah. <laughs> Are they available? Brilliant. Let's let's plow on. <laughs> um, and and yeah, the Rocketeer. Whilst I think that is a really fun cast across the board, um, I think mo- mo- most of the fun in the Rocketeer is going, "Oh hey, look, it's that person." Oh hey, look, it's that person. Rather than, "Oh my god, they are perfect for that yeah. role." I would say again, the casting in that movie is for me reminiscent of the first Avenger, but not quite as good. You're like, oh yeah, no, you filled all those roles out really well, but you know, you did it better ten years later, hmm. fifteen years later, maybe. Um, so yeah, for me, it's between Into the Spider Verse and Black Panther as well. Um, and I'm tempted to, well, no, I'm not tempted to. I do agree with James. I think the Black Panther casting is phenomenal across the board. I mean, the, the the so the pre-existing ones are what Chadwick Boseman and Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman. Yeah. yeah, the white guys and Chadwick Boseman, um, and everyone else who comes into that cast, like I like down to down to like Sterling K. Brown in that in those flashback scenes and the dream sequences. Like Daniel Kaluuya is like two two scenes or whatever he gets. Yes, well, Which I think he's still great. Yeah, it's still great, and clearly got his role beefed up. Winston, yeah. Winston Duke as Mbaku is just <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, there's so, so many great people. I I, I can't see Black, past Black Panther here. I think the, the casting if I was, is If I was going to try and swing anyone around on Spider-Verse... Oh, nope, I see what you did there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I don't like Liev Schreiber's Kingpin. And that's the only, like, I don't like the design, I don't like the performance, because it's not Kingpin-esque enough for me. Seb, it's the one that you're really you're really fighting for, so... Um, do, you feel, do you feel strongly enough to really battle James? I, I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm happy to go with Black Panther, because I don't disagree, until I realised just how many of these I've gone, yeah, I don't mind. I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm not fighting my corner enough on these. I'm going to have to save it for the big ones. Um... Yeah, no, I, I think, I think it's a. I mean, also, I think 
already we've we've established, Joe, that you um, consider voice performances to be less, which um, <laughs> I look forward to you getting jumped on for that one by voice actors. Um, but uh, no, by, I, by, by the way, can I just clarify? I absolutely do consider them to be less. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I look forward to you being jumped on by the union of, of voiceover artists there. Try telling Kevin Conroy that... You know, he's that he's not the best Batman. He's not the best Batman. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I'm happy for it to be Black Panther because the, the point is absolutely true. I mean, yeah, there are there are three pre-existing pieces of casting who are all good, and it doesn't put a foot wrong elsewhere. Um, and it's it, and it's introduced, I think, a lot of people to a lot of great actors that they might not have necessarily heard of from the various indie films that they've all been good in 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 the last year or two. Um, I mean, admittedly, Get Out did a better job of introducing Daniel Kaluuya to the to the world at large. But um, yeah, no, I think it's a it, it's it's a really exciting, talented cast who all work really well together. <laughs> at, so. at the very least, it completely demolishes the idea that if you try and sort of cast within a specific race, you are going to end up with weaker choices. Yeah, because there's not a person in that cast who isn't, you know, five star talent. And so, yeah. if you say like, "Oh, if you only choose women, or if you only choose African Americans, you're going to end up with a, a worse selection." We just want the best. It's like they're yeah. all the best. And yeah. you've got Forrest Whitaker and Angela Bassett in there. Oh my god, I forgot Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> and I, I mean, like. Forrest Whitaker not always a guarantee to be great because have you seen Rogue One? But um, <laughs> out of this world, good here. So yeah, uh, Black Panther wins our best casting for 2018. Uh, we'll move on to I think one of what is going to be one of the most hotly contested categories. So let's see whether this is where. <laughs> let's see how quickly Seb folds on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is best new film. Uh, one as I said, like in previous years. Um, Ant-Man won it in 2014, um, Civil War, uh, sorry, in 2015, Civil War in 2016, uh, Wonder Woman in 2017, so a big step up there, fantastic, um, and now 2018 feels incredibly hotly contested. It took us quite a lot of back and forth to narrow this down to five nominees. The eventual nominees were Deadpool 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Infinity War, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Black Panther. Um, I think you uh, could drop the first two immediately. <laughs> well, the, the, the other two, the, the other three that received votes were Aquaman, Incredibles 2, and Teen Titans Go, um, even though I didn't see fit to nominate Venom. Um, <laughs> but and, hey, nice that Aquaman got a vote. Uh, that's probably because Deadpool 2 has no place being in this list, you guys. Yeah, I mean, I had a great time with Deadpool 2, but it's not a better film than Deadpool 1. It's just a funnier film than Deadpool 1. Well, hang on, James, you must have been the one who nominated it, because I did. I like it, but I didn't. Yeah, but I have a much lower <laughs> opinion of Ant-Man 2 than the rest of you. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah true. And so, uh, and I don't James think had... Ant-Man 2 can win because of how much James doesn't care for it. Yeah, yep. I, I might have, I mean, not made the case to win. I might have briefly, half-heartedly made a case for Incredibles 2, but obviously didn't get nominated because James, so... Um, but <laughs> yeah, because James watched it and found it wanting. It's better than the first one. Um, <laughs> but I mean, now come on, let's face it. This is this is a three-way fight, and this is. Let's face it. If you look at those three previous years, Black Panther would have won 
any of those years. I think it would have it would have been duking out with Wonder Woman, but yeah, it would that would. Have I would have put Black Panther above Wonder Woman, but I but for me, and it might not be true for you guys. It only it comes a very clear third for me here, even though it would have nope. won in any of the previous years. I mean these these three films are at the start of last last week's podcast. I mentioned that there were three five star films for me, and it's these three. Mm. It's very tough for me to slide anything between them. Yeah, and and I I completely disagree that Black Panther is. <laughs> I a thought you would. I just I love it. On yeah, episode, I, I know so. that I'm the person who who loves it slightly the least on this part. I I do love it, but just uh, yeah, if, less if than I you two, and not as much. Admittedly, as these other right? Two. Admittedly, the the climax isn't perfect, and the CG is a bit ropey. So I'm willing to discount it on that level. All like, all three of these films have got. They are all films that you look forward to watching again while you're watching them the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I think they are. I mean, yeah. For for me, it's it's difficult because of how, weirdly how different they all are. Um, Into the Spider Verse does something. I think all of them kind of do something that I've not really seen from superhero movies before. Infinity War is an event comic on the big screen and doesn't feel conventional in in any way compared to you know all all other superhero movies. It it throws out it throws out kind of normal rules of of storytelling to just go. You've seen the other seventeen, so here is now what we're doing. And you know if you don't know these characters by now, tough shit because we're just telling a story where they are the action figures that we're moving around. More so than any other film. And if you'd have told me that that's what Infinity War was going to do, I would have been disappointed. But in execution, I think yeah. they do a damn fine job of it. And I think making Thanos effectively the lead of the movie was a really smart decision. Um, so that's the case for Infinity War. I mean, we, we've spoken so recently about Into the Spider-Verse um, that it probably doesn't need uh, repeating quite as much, but... There is a point I would make about Spider-Verse, which is these three films are all very close together. Um, Black Panther and Infinity War I've watched multiple times now, and having watched them multiple times, I feel you know comfortable and confident saying they are absolutely amazing five-star movies that are duking you out to be the best of the year. I've only seen Spider-Verse once, and I still feel I, I... I'm veering towards putting it ahead of them. And the fact that I feel that way, having only seen it once, makes me feel even more strongly that it should be. That's that's the effect that it had. And it's the surprise factor. You know, I, I, I think Black Panther and Infinity War, while I think they did exceed expectations to an extent, because I think we expected them to be great, but maybe not as great as they turned out to be, I expected Spider-Verse to be very good. And the fact that it ended up being as good as, if not better than, Infinity War is is just mind blowing, and it's just it, it, it just gives me such a warm feeling thinking about that film. It really does. We do have to take into account here, though, uh, that we are suckers for Spider Man movies. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's. I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> it's not a bad thing that a good Spider-Man movie has a better chance of winning us over than than something no. else, especially because it means that a bad Spider-Man movie upsets us more than anything else. <laughs> like I, I know that we are a bit weird for repeatedly calling Amazing Spider-Man two the worst film we've covered, but it is. Um... <laughs> I mean, I still think the first one's worse, but <laughs> to, to you know, each their own. Pick your hairs, poison, you know. <laughs> I think for me, um, if I'd have gone on first viewing of all of these, um, it would probably be Into the Spider-Verse. But the way that Black Panther kind of has sat with me over the course of the year, the way that it has seeped into popular culture, the, the impact that it's had, and I know that isn't particularly the movie itself, but in a way it also kind of is. And, I'm. I, I just popped open my MCU rankings in front of me just to check. I was like, "Where did where did I put those in the end?" And Black Panther's at five, and Infinity War is at seven. Um, and that that you know, I, I could I could actually see Black Panther moving up in the list, but I couldn't see Infinity War because the more I think about that movie, the more I just think when I compare it to the other two, they like I say, they are doing such different things, but. The thematic depth to Black Panther, and I also think the artistry on show is so it is superior in Black Panther. But do to... either of the other films have as weak a final sequence? Well, so yeah, the I think the the sequence down on the train tracks is weak, but actually, the I think the battle up on the on uh, up up on the surface level of Wakanda is really strong. Um. But that and I still think lets it down. <laughs> but I still think what they're arguing about is it's so much more interesting. It's so much more to, you, you're thinking about so much more coming out of it than when 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 you come out of Infinity War, you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen in Endgame? When you come out of Black Panther, you're thinking, shit, oh, there's a lot going on in my mind right now that I've got to kind of <laughs> grapple with. And, and that's what I mean. They are two movies that are doing such different things. I mean. The the thing that makes me the the side I come down on is probably Infinity War, and I think it's because <laughs> I just realised how much you've complicated things. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry, but like I think we need to go one, two, three here and just I add just up the I points. think <laughs> I think Infinity War is going to like change the the standard of of cinema. Like it, it's doing something so different to what we've ever seen, mm. and like this is like this is the climax of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe started, and that everyone has begun to imitate. Like I think in five to ten years, every studio is going to be making films that look like Infinity War. Oh, I, I really disagree. I mean, I think they're maybe not succeeding, but I think they will be trying to do that. I, I, I think Infinity War is such a specific thing. I, I, it's a, it's a culmination of a universe, and I don't, I don't see how, unless you have successfully achieved a decade of filmmaking before, how you could make a movie like Infinity. Yeah, War. Yeah, that's why I said in ten years' time. No, <laughs> but I don't. Do it, but, it again. but who's, who's, who is going to be able to to ape what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done? Well, Star Wars can't. Star Wars can't do it. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, and and for me, like the 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 thing that's going to have the biggest impact and has culturally, and you know, 
from a filmmaking perspective is is Black Panther. Like in terms of in terms of like what are what are big super what are big blockbuster movies going to look like in ten years time? I think culturally they're gonna and you know kind of from like a a diversity breakup they're going to look more like in uh, Black Panther than they are going to look like Infinity War. Maybe, but I I still think Infinity War is just it's a film unlike any other I've seen. Black Panther, for all its for all that I love about it, and for all that I think it's fantastic, is like other films. Yeah, but I don't know. I I, I don't know whether that's a good thing. I don't think I could. Well, cope. I think, uh, yeah, I don't I think I could cope with many. Saying, I think if like, more films were like Infinity War, I wouldn't like it. But if more films were like Black Panther, I would. <laughs> I think Infinity War is just it's such a it's such a unique beast. I think they I think they they did a the, great I job mean, that's with the thing. It's the delivery that that sells me on it like i just can't wait to watch it again and again guys do you, do you know what i've just realized we are only having this debate on best new film this is the debate we normally yeah. have on best film we're not even we've not even got to best film yet yeah i, I, I want to do the, i want to do the maths on this it's the only way we're going to do it right i have gone spider-verse then infinity war then black panther joe you've clearly got black panther top james you've clearly got infinity war top what is your number two and three? That's the only way we're going to work this out. And I know they're all going to come out with exactly the same score, but I'm going to get, I'm going to give these points three, two, one. So <laughs> my my number two is Spider Verse. Number three is Infinity War. <laughs> my number two is Black Panther. And and your number three what, is Spider Verse. What's highest? What's high or low? Uh, my my ranking is Infinity War top. Yeah. Black Panther, Spider Verse. Yep. Yeah. Do you know what that means? What? They've all got exactly the same score. <laughs> Now, if you, seriously, if I do if I do points of three, two, one, they've all got six points. Um, is this is this is, is Spider Man Two v Ghost World again? This is going to have to go to a poll, isn't it? I think I can't see any other way of doing it because we it might have, come to a we, we, we are completely ourselves. deadlocked. <laughs> it might have to, but let's let's uh, let's also see where best film ends up <laughs> once we get to the end of the podcast because we might be talking about these films again. Okay, so who knows what has won best new film for twenty eighteen? Um, but we'll we'll plow on regardless, and let's go over to best director. We have previously given this award to Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim, to Sam Raimi for Spider Man Two, and to Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. Uh, the nominees this year are Barry Sonnenfeld for Men in Black, Guillermo del Toro for Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, Christopher Nolan for The Dark Knight, Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. And Peter Ramsey, Rodney Rothman, and is it Bob Pesicetti for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Hang on. So the Russos haven't been nominated despite doing both Winter no. Soldier and Infinity War in this no, year that we've covered. They were... Well, I don't think we should just be rewarding volume. Um, the, <laughs> no, the, I'm, I'm rewarding quality <laughs> in the volume. Yeah, <laughs> the Russos were tied in a deadlock with uh, Nolan, Del Toro, and Sonnenfeld. Um, and then when we voted based on preference, the Russos didn't make it in. Well, that, I mean, that makes wow. my decision easier, which is that it's Ryan Coogler in that case. I see. I think this is a this is a very very strong category. Um, I I think. I, I mean, I love Men in Black visually. I think the the world that. The look of that world. It's probably a lot in the production. It's probably Men a lot. Men in Black is a movie that, that was made by a cinematographer. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. But, but And a lot of things come together in that movie to make it look 
as good as it does. And it's not, but I feel like that Barry Sonnenfeld is, yeah, the guy at the center of that who's shepherding it all. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, I, I, I think you, it's easy to forget how gorgeous that movie is with all of the, with all the clockwork and the creature designs. And, um, as you guys were just saying, not fans of the new Hellboy, um, trailer. Yeah. We'll get to that on a future episode, I imagine. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a really, really gorgeous movie. And I saw it on the big screen and it was one of the first Blu-rays I bought because I was just like, oh my God. And yeah, I, I, I want that in my eyeballs. Um, Nolan on the Dark Knight is uh, there's obviously you know he's he's doing his best Michael Mann impression. Um, you will get Nolan winning this category past me only if you kill me. But what's it? But your issue with Nolan <laughs> isn't him as the sacrifice. <laughs> your, you, isn't your, isn't your problem with Nolan more the kind of the overall like feel of the movies and the and the the screenplays and the themes and the storytelling more than the the visuals it's the complete lack of passion that he has for any of his stuff like yeah fine the, what? the visuals are okay i think you can disagree yeah, with yeah, I, I think yeah, you can yeah. not I, I think you can find yourself not on the same page as nolan but i don't think I, he would be a, a filmmaker who i would say oh he has no passion i have never seen anything that resembles human passion in any of his films <sighs> mm. It's an interesting take. I don't like it, but uh, fair, <laughs> fair enough. We're, not, we're going to struggle to get this through. Um, I, I like Chris Nolan, but I don't completely disagree with what James has said there. <laughs> yes, victory. Uh, I, I think it's the, the biggest misconception about Christopher Nolan that he is emotionless. Where's Andrew Ellard when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we've also got Coogler and then we've got the, the Spider-Verse directors. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is again a really strong category and I think... I mean, I could make a case for any of them. Uh, so far, it feels like we've only had a case made against. So does anyone want to stand up and say, hey, here's my guy? I, I the, the reason why I would say um, Ryan Coogler, despite the fact that of the three we talked about before, I, I would put Black Panther third in terms of the film. If you look at Ryan Coogler's age and career, to have done Black Panther at the point in his career and his life that he's done it. I mean, he's I'm just looking him up now. He's fucking four years younger than me. Um, <laughs> to have made Black Panther with, with that much confidence and with just complete, and obviously, you know, filmmaking, team effort, lots of, lots of people's work goes into it, the, the script and the design, and obviously the cast and everything goes into it. But that film is so confident and and knows exactly what it is and what it's doing and it is a it is a it, it's a film that has a confidence that you would expect from a director who has been around and done a lot more than Ryan Coogler and for that reason you know i think it's i think just what he's done there is absolutely phenomenal yeah. you look at blockbusters in general and there are very few that feel like directors movies um i think it is increasingly becoming the case in superhero cinema that I think that the, the MCU and the other and the DC movies, because I think, you know, Aquaman feels very directed. It feels like a James Wan movie. It feels like a movie that has come from a guy's vision rather than being created by, you know, um, a board, a boardroom focus group. Yeah. Um, And that's the direction that it feels like, 
the MCU is moving in. But I would say there is no, there is no MCU movie that feels quite as directed. And by that, I mean, feels like it has the stamp of its director on it Mm. than Black Panther. And I think that was reflected when they were, when they were talking about the sequel and would Coogler come back? And it sounded like Marvel just went, yeah, we'll, we'll wait until he does because we're not going, we're not going to rush this movie into getting made faster than he's willing to make it. My only counterpoint to that is that I think Avengers probably is extremely Joss Whedon, but I think oh. I think Black Panther is better than Avengers. So, mm. I I mean I'm not saying that it's a it's an exclusive club. I just think that yeah, for me, that's the that's that's the most I've felt it, and certainly the most I've felt it recently. I think mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's... I mean the the contender here is Spider Verse, right? And Spider Verse had three guys doing very different things based on everything that I've read. And it's sort of like that. That kind of is the case with animation direction. Yeah, animation direction is different from, from, you know, live action direction. And their role was more to realize the scripts as much as anything. Well, on on different levels, I I get the impression that Peter Ramsey maybe drove it more from a, on yeah, a, sure. from a visual level mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah i mean i i would i would make a case for sonnenfeld and i'd make a case for del toro and i'd make a case for nolan but it sounds like you guys like ryan coogler i very much do yep. seven <laughs> yeah and okay and, you know if, if we're talking about waiting i think i think my vote for him should have weight because it's not even that I think Black Panther is the best film here. As I say, I I, I think as a directorial achievement is is what is notable here, and that's partly maybe based on I'm probably less familiar with the role of a director in an animated film and and how much a director shapes it compared with other people on the film, but. Okay, so Ryan Coogler wins Best Director in 2018. Uh, let's move now to um, one of my favourite awards. Hey, maybe it's even my favourite award. This is the Howard T. Duck Award for Best <laughs> Bad Movie. Um, obviously won by Howard the Duck in our inaugural year, so much uh, so that it was named after him. Um, oh, I don't think it was one. I think we just did, we no, invented we the award in the second year yeah. and said, well, it, I mean, it, it would have been Howard the Duck. Um, the Punisher won it in the second year and the um, 2005 Fantastic Four won it last year. Um, and so if you haven't listened to our award shows before, basically the thinking behind this award is we know the movie's bad, but we kind of enjoy watching it regardless. Um, and the nominees for that uh, for that award this year are Spider-Man 3, Generation X, Batman Forever, Superman 3, and Venom. I know which is going to win, but... <laughs> Do you? I don't know what's going to win. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's very clearly Superman 3. Um, I I sort of think Superman 3 is too good to be a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, that's... I kind Do of like... Think, I think it's, it, it's got a reputation for being a bad movie, though, which I think is... Maybe it's maybe, like, maybe with yeah, <laughs> you know. I think we all didn't we all agree it was actually good yeah. fun and quite like it wasn't obviously it's not in the same league as the first two, but it's not 
you know, it's I mean, not suicide I'm, ha- I'm happy for it not to win if the argument is it's too good for this category. I'm not yeah, going to disagree I, with that. Um, I mean, but it's, it's just not, I've always it's had it's, it's that it's having that affection for it in the way that we have affection for things like the Punisher and Howard the Duck. Um, but yeah, if the argument that is actually it shouldn't be here. I mean, if that's the case, then I'd go for Batman Forever, which I feel similarly about, <laughs> which I don't so, think is too good to be here. But I think Superman Three is too good to be here. Uh, not it's still a bad movie, but it's still got Christopher Reeve in the centre of it, and it's and it actually does have some really strong sequences in there. Um, and when I think of it, my my brain doesn't go to bad; it goes to flawed. Yeah, hmm. yeah, compromised. Um, Batman Forever is definitely bad. <laughs> um, I want to make the case against Generation X because I think it. <laughs> I think it's too bad. For me, this category has to be something that I would be willing to watch again because at least I'll have fun. I'm yeah. I'm I'm never gonna watch Generation X again. You can't make me. <laughs> this is this is the problem with it this year is that I think like the, the way I would view this category is as well is all of the films that we've previously given this award to are films that if we were doing a cinematic universe cinema screening, we'd happily put on for people and and we'd have a good evening enjoying and watching it and that for me is i think why i've i'd nominated superman 3 and batman forever in there in that they are films that i would enjoy watching again that are thought of as as bad by people i don't think any of the other ones we're going to be talking about here admittedly with the caveat that i still haven't seen venom sorry i ruined these awards by not managing to see everything in a year um i don't think these qualify i disagree I think the other three nominees are all bad movies that I would watch again. Spider-Man 3, Batman Forever and Venom are all not... And I I, I do wonder whether Spider-Man 3 tips into... I think Spider-Man 3 tips into too good for the category. Yeah, if Superman 3 does, (laughs) Spider-Man 3 does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's between Batman Forever and Venom then, and uh, Seb, I have a clear Seb, choice right out of those two. Well, Seb, you've se- you you're the only one who hasn't seen Venom, so make your case for Batman Forever just why you think it is bad but entertainingly so. It's entertaining because it it pitches well at the audience of action figure buying children that it's aimed at. Um, there's a lot to you can get a lot out of it in terms of it's never not funny that that Chris O'Donnell is supposed to be playing like a 15 year old and he's like about 36. Um, I really like, as I said at the time. Jim Carrey's performance and Jim Carrey's Riddler. It's not for everybody, but I like it and I think it works. Uh, there was a very good argument being made recently by, uh, was it Anthony Oliveira on Twitter? Um, it's either him or, or Andy Cowery, uh, but it was about how the film is predominantly about Jim Carrey's, um, well, Edward Nigma's uh, romantic obsession with Bruce Wayne. Um, I don't like Tommy Lee Jones' performance in it, um, but I, I I find the the all the Nicole Kidman and Val Kilmer stuff quite amusing. It's got a good soundtrack. Um, yeah, I, I you know it's not a good film, but I also have a lot of affection for it because you know I was like thirteen when it came out, so I I was the target audience for it. Can I can I demolish this argument? Go on. <laughs> Batman Batman and Robin is a better bad film. I don't agree with that. 
I really don't. I would have much more fun rewatching Batman and Robin than Batman Forever. I think you'll be surprised when we get to do it on the podcast. <laughs> it's not as enjoyable as you Batman, think. Batman and Robin has more obviously bad stuff that I would be looking out for and enjoying. Like when when the film reverses, you you could be in that cinema, people would applaud. There's not going to be anything like that in Batman Forever. It's just slightly not camp enough, slightly not bad enough. James, do you want to make the case for Venom? It's just that first hour is such a such a hard thing to get through, and then after that, it just becomes hilarious in so many ways. Like again, I, all all I have to do is think about our discussion of Venom, and it makes me laugh. Uh, you like, see, remembering us double doubled over with laughter, talking about how it took that like corpse zombie six months to walk to an airport. Yeah, <laughs> how can you not like? Just remembering stuff like that makes like uh, thingy, uh, Venom being like, oh, I'm a loser too. Like, how how can you be a loser? You're a symbiote. On my planet, I lose it too, Eddie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just so much of it. It's, it's dumb as a sack of hammers. Uh, Seb. It's so funny. I mean, when, look- you, were, when you were describing what, what, a, what a bad movie is there, or what a, ha- what a Howard T. Duck Award winning bad movie is there, I thought of myself in the cinema watching Venom and was just transported back to spending two hours with this enormous grin on my face going, this is terrible, but I'm having the best time. I mean, from the, I, I, as I say, I, I'm sorry that, that I haven't seen it, so I can't actually contribute in that sense. But from the way you guys talk about it, I am happy to... Uh, Accept that that Venom meets the criteria for this award. <laughs> oh. It clearly does, and and also, is. you know, I mean, with you know, if you just look at the reaction that it's had, and if you look at what it's spawned, and um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, just everything around it, it's just, it's not a movie that that should exist or that should have had the reaction and and the financial success that it's had. <laughs> well, and but it is somehow Seb, there is obviously something about it. So. I can't explain to you how <laughs> how fundamentally terrible some of the mechanics of the movie are. Like where you can literally see where it has been carved up into pieces to try and make a third act that is in some way coherent. <laughs> and it isn't. But you can you can see where all of this has been cut apart and stitched back together. Yet at the centre of it, here is Tom Hardy having a fucking ball and just like somehow turning this movie that kind of from its script, from its direction, from its uh, effects, from the look of the movie, which is it's gross a lot of the time. <laughs> somehow you watch it and you're like. I am having fun. <laughs> and this is like this is the sort of thing is that I I went to see a screening of Hackers a couple of weeks ago, and lovely. Like you you sit, when you watch those like good bad films, you look out for the stupid things that you know are stupid and yet they're still funny and you know you applaud. I, there's nothing like that in Batman Forever. Venom, I can imagine, maybe not so much in the first hour, but as soon as that second hour gets going. I can I can hear the bits where people are, are like shouting the quotes and you know so clapping, what you s- clapping the scenes like it's it's that kind of movie. 
what you're saying is that half of Venom gets the Howard T. Duck Award. Well, I mean, James would make that argument. I would make the argument if James watched it again, knowing yeah, it's, it's knowing possible. what is to come, he would be having fun from where go. If I watched it, I would I would notice the stuff about the first like for the first half. The first time I saw it, the first half I was just like confused more than anything i was just like what what the hell is this the thing that james just quoted about the zombie person trudging their way to to an airport for six months is from the first half hour yeah that's true it's funny because of how bad it is (laughs) (sighs) as soon as venom starts talking just his first line (laughs) you're a loser eddie (laughs) it's great it's so great um okay so it sounds like venom is the winner of the howard t duck award for 2018 now i'll tell you what that is a movie marathon that i would watch (laughs) venom fantastic for the punisher and howard the duck fantastic stuff Okay, uh, let's move on to another category that I think is going to be hotly contested, uh, given that um, a lot of the people here showed up in our uh, Best Supporting Actor category, uh, and we had a big old argument there. This is the Best Villain category. Previous winners were the Terrence Stamp General Zod, um, Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2, and Kingpin from the first season of Daredevil. Uh, The nominees here, um, just missing out, actually, um, uh, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Wasp, uh, Ross Webster from Superman 3. uh, (laughs) Who nominated him? (laughs) (laughs) Wind Soldier from Captain America, the Wind Soldier. Um, Generically, Hydra, which James suggested, which in retrospect, (laughs) I think, was was a good... A good suggestion, but for me, the 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 five that actually make the final list uh, are strong enough to keep Hydra out. So the uh, the final nominees for best villain are Doctor Horrible, Edgar Bug, Thanos, Killmonger, and the Joker. So guys, this isn't just I mean, like, so I know we've had arguments before, but you know, when it comes to performance. Um, you know about you know who gets to do the most, who delivers the most. I, this is kind of like best hero, where you're like, who is a great villain, and um, all of these to an extent get get quite a lot of the job done, don't they? You know, I didn't actually nominate Killmonger, and that was because <laughs> that's because because right? you don't think of him as the villain. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if he if he had not decided to wage sort of technological genocide against the rest of the world which he does we've all been going yeah no he was right Ma- it's just Ma- that small I character st- mm, no I, st- I does- still think i think the film is really clever at how it plays the fight and um and the way that he is and the way that he is with with people in wakanda when he comes and wins the fight i think he's just enough of a dick there that while he while yeah, you might like, be sympathetic to what he the reason why he's doing it, um, yeah, I think I think it I, I think he's enough of a villain. I think the film's clever with that. He has a lot of rage, but I think it's all incredibly righteously there. But why why does why does Chala deserve to die for that? So yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. It's a trial by combat. I think that, <laughs> that's but I the think that's of the combat. I agree with I agree with both you to an extent because. Killmonger, a lot of the points he makes are very valid, and in fact, it does sound like his dad was kind of screwed over. Um, but what they do essentially, which I think is really smart, is set him up with ideal with, with kind of a, a philosophy and a viewpoint that isn't wrong per se, 
but it's his it's his means of going yeah, about it's it. it. It's the, the, the actions he takes as a re- as a result of that viewpoint hmm. and to to remedy what he sees as the flaw in the world. And I think that's what usually makes for the most interesting villains. You know, like that's it, kind of mag- that's Magneto as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I think Killmonger more than deserves his spot here. I mean, it's I hard. I think he's I mean. I, for me, he's he's the standout, which is no which is no small feat when he's up against the Joker and Thanos. But listen, right? Thanos, he wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wins. Also, so does the Joker. Yeah, kind. Well, yeah, kind. No, of. the Joker. The Joker and... completely wins. <laughs> How yeah, does the Joker a... not win in that film? Well, he's arrested just... and goes to prison. Yeah, but he doesn't care about that. And what he boat. cares about is destroying Harvey Dent, yeah, which he does. Yeah, and, and the yeah, the boat is kind of the which is the worst part of the movie. Uh, Depends but if that yeah, was he his does. Plan all along or not? He gets Harvey Dent. He kills Rachel. He turns Gotham against Batman. He does yeah. win, but I don't think he wins quite as much as Doctor Horrible <laughs> and Thanos both do. Thanos wipes out half of existence, and um, and then retires. And, Do- and Doctor Horrible, whilst he loses, he I'm- does. It, it, whilst he loses emotionally. I'm sorry, but in the year 2018, I am not giving best villain <laughs> to an incel MRA. <laughs> Fair. Okay, as much as, much as I like Dr. Horrible and I like his performance, and I think I did nominate him. Uh, no, I didn't nominate him, but I came close to nominating him for best villain. He's not, he's not allowed to win this. <laughs> See, I think the... I think Killmonger is a more interesting character than Thanos. Um, but Thanos is he's a good villain. I just he... think I'm I'm my argument against Thanos. He's a bit of a whiny piss baby. It's a bit <laughs> like ooh, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so Seb is going Killmonger. James? Uh, no, well, hang on. I haven't fully made an argument for the Joker yet. <clears throat> oh, okay. Right, my, argu- my argument for the Joker is as follows. I think it's reasonable to say that the Joker is one of the, the just the best villains and one of the most iconic villains in superhero fiction. And he's, um, as much as I love Lex Luthor, I think the Joker is probably DC's best villain. This is the best version of the Joker. The, the cultural impact of this version of the Joker is enormous um i just uh, you know th- this is an incredible interpretation of an already brilliant villain that would be my argument for the joker if you want to make an argument against him it's that we probably wouldn't have jared leto's joker if we hadn't had this joker. <laughs> i mean when you talk about cultural impact i feel like the fact that people who have never picked up a comic in their life now know who thanos is yeah. Such that, you know, you can get talk show hosts making jokes at his expense or something. And let us not forget the cultural impact of Thick Thanos. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> like I you know. No one no one learned who the Joker was from the Dark Knight. But Thanos is Thanos has been inserted into the conversation through his existence mm. in Infinity War. So, James, if you would lean towards Thanos. I mean, to be fair, it is... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Really oh, tough to pick between those two. I mean, Killmonger, I think. <sighs> I mean, Killmonger and Killmonger and Thanos both went up against Black Panther and one of them managed to wipe him from existence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the thing, the thing with Killmonger, right, is that as much as I would have loved that character to survive and then, you know, be on the good side, I think the fact that he went out in a sort of blaze at the end of the film he's not a good recurring villain but when thanos comes back people are gonna give a shit yeah i, I do, do you know what i uh, think Killmonger I, is good for that story but i think thanos is good for lots of stories i think where where i ultimately come down on this argument i because i think there's there's three really strong contenders here is that there is a lot more good to Killmonger than any of the others mm-hmm. um there is a lot more nuance to Thanos because he thinks he's doing good. I think well, the Killmonger pu- thinks he's doing good as well. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But I think the purest incarnation of villainy here is the Joker, the Joker. because because as Michael Caine says, some people just want to watch the world burn, Master Bruce. Which I mean, first of all, is a fantastic impression. But second of all, <laughs> I was going to say, did he have a cold? Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm recovering from tonsillitis. Got me some slack. Um, <laughs> And when uh, and when I think of any one moment from any of those three characters, it's the video of the Joker with the with the Batman <laughs> impersonator tied up and uh, the, and oh god, it sends shivers down your spine. And the fact that he is completely he's impossible to figure out with the multiple origins and. I think Seb's right here. I think it's the Joker. No. Uh, I wasn't actually saying it was the Joker. Oh, <laughs> no, you're not? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, this was when we were talking earlier slash God, last week. The, the, the um, biggest villain here is Seb Patrick because he's impossible <laughs> to figure out. No, I I had already, when we were discussing Best Supporting Actor, I had sort of already um, come to terms with the idea that Heath Ledger edges it for performance and Killmonger edges it, edges it for character. Um 
I I mean I'm ha- I'm happy with any of those three winning it. I think it's you know I we, we all know that villains are usually the most fun thing about this genre and that's why it's disappointing when you get a bad one and it's disappointing that Marvel has struggled with it so often. So the fact that this year they've given us two brilliant ones and those two brilliant ones stand alongside one from 10 years ago that we're still talking about 10 years later and that is going to have, you know, okay, partly because of the legend of the fact that the actor died, but it's always going to have... Like, the Heath Ledger's Joker is always going to be a massive part of the pop culture conversation forever, you know, and every version of the Joker is going to in some way be in the shadow of what he's already done, and we're seeing that with the new one that they're doing next year as well. So I'm happy with all three of them. I really won't argue against any of them winning. Personally, I would probably just edge it for Killmonger because what they do there is is fresh and interesting and and makes you conflicted. I don't really, let's face it, people like to say, oh, you know, Thanos kind of has a point or Thanos thinks he doesn't he's doing good. No, he doesn't. He's a genocidal monstrous supervillain who wipes no, out half just, the population of the universe. <laughs> he just wants and just wants a nice farm yeah. sev. But you know, at the end of the day, Thanos is a traditional you know, with with some layers of nuance added, but he is very much a traditional um, model of a supervillain, and and the Joker is the Joker. There, there's nothing but villainy there to him. But Killmonger really is—he troubles you, and that's great. And as I say, the only argument against him is whether or not you actually call him the villain, which I think he is. I think he's villainous yeah, he enough yeah. that he is the villain. <laughs> so know, for me, point, that's where my vote goes. Every time you talk, I I, I change who my <laughs> answers. I think right out of all of uh, out of all of these characters. The only one who, when he was defeated, I was sorry, was Killmonger. And so that, that, that even makes him the best or the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, the thing. It's not We're not even sure how to judge this. Do we judge this on the best at being a villain, or do we judge it on the most interesting character who is the film's villain? That's a fundamental... Dis- okay, okay, Wait, right. hang on. Are we discounting Riot here? <laughs> I, think, I think we may have to. Okay, right. Uh, listen, I, I I think the Joker is great. I think you're right. They're all great. I would be willing to sign off on Killmonger as the best villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, we all heard it. He said yes, just about. <laughs> Killmonger is the best villain of 2018. Um, now we're going to move on to our final three categories. They are the big ones. Um We've got Best Actress, Best Actor, and Best Film left to go. So let's start off with Best Actress, because it is a category that, unfortunately, superhero cinema tends to let us down on. Uh, In the past, we have had uh, Hayley Atwell win twice, and Gal Gadot won last year. The nominees this year are Hayley Steinfeld for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Evangeline Lilly for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Scarlett Johansson for Avengers Infinity War and probably more so uh, Captain America The Winter Soldier, Holly Hunter for Incredibles 2, and Zoe Saldana for Avengers Infinity War. Um, so we can just discount the two voice performances straight away then, guys, have we? <laughs> <laughs> You're actually discounting Holly Hunter, are you? No, I could never discount Holly Hunter. <laughs> Especially given that this is the film where she gets to actually, you know, she she is a lead in Incredibles 2, in a way that I don't think she even is in Incredibles. 
yeah, that's definitely the case. Um, Although I, I didn't and, nominate know. her because I forgot to nominate her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's and she is she's really good. Oh no, I did nominate um, her. I did nominate yeah. her. But I don't I, I don't know whether she'd be my choice here. Um, I I. I <laughs> I know I made that joke. I think I would like lean towards the three live action performances. <laughs> but if either of you want to make a case for the animated performances, uh let, let's let's hear it. Okay, we didn't hear it, so um Hang on, sorry, hang on. So I missed uh, sorry, I think I missed what the other animated nomination was. Hayley Haley Steinfeld. Oh Haley Steinfeld did get yeah. nominated. Yeah. Um I I could I could try to make a case for Hayley, for Haley Steinfeld. I think I think she does a lot with limited screen time there, um, but also I don't know how much of what makes that character enjoyable in the film is purely down to her performance as opposed to writing a character design. It's not that there's anything wrong with her performance, but does she elevate that character beyond? the concept and the design and the way the character's written, which are all excellent. So, yeah. I nominated her, but I'm, yeah, I'm not going to fight the corner very strongly. So the other three, I would, I, I would be happy for any of them to win. I'm going to make the case, though, for Zoe Saldana. Um, I think that she has... I, well, I don't... I, I think it's very hard to make the case for anyone other than one person really to be a lead in Infinity War because it is such a sprawling ensemble. Mm. Um I I kind of looked at that and went like, right, who do I think actually of all the actresses in the movie comes closest to being a lead? Um and for me that would be Zoe Saldana. And when I said earlier if I think if if Thor is the the male MVP, then um Zoe Saldana is the the female MVP. And actually I think maybe gives the strongest performance in the movie. I, I thought she was really, really great. Um and I, I cared about her in a way that I didn't particularly care as much in the previous Guardians of the Galaxy films. Um I thought it finally censored her um mm-hmm. in a in a way that the Guardians movies hadn't. Uh and yeah, so I, I think she was really great in that and so I would be I'd be happy if she if she were considered. Uh, but equally, guys, Evangeline Lilly and Scarlett Hansen. Do either of you want to make the case for one of those? I mean, Scarlett Hansen in in the Winter Soldier, like yeah. that's that's the standout performance as Black Widow that she's done, right? Yeah, I agree. Well, I, like, I mean, from sh- the moment sh- she turns up, you're just like, wow, this character. It's, it's she- and it's that having fun thing again. It's mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that Bruce Banner is nowhere near it. uh she did win for the avengers in supporting actress last year and i think that we i think when we gave her that award we talked a lot about the scene with loki in the um Mm -hmm. in the in the glass prison and the kind of the dual roles that she's playing um i think in winter soldier she does get to play kind of it's the closest she's come to being able to play just flat out superhero lead Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, while the first half hour, maybe, she doesn't feel like a lead role, I think for the rest of the movie, she does. Um, I mean, that bit where they're on the run. And, yeah. you know, they have this kind of easy camaraderie. Yeah, I mean, the, the chemistry between the two of them is... Hmm. And I think, um, 
I think what Scarlett Johansson does with this character is, is is sometimes a little bit underrated because so much of the time she she can come off as kind of um, she, the, the emotions are very deep and sometimes the movies use her as just oh look she's kick ass and she's <laughs> she's on a motorbike she, yeah and she's cool and she's sexy and oh, what's who's she gonna kick in the face next. Um, and, and and I mean, having watched Aquaman literally earlier today, I kind of you you, you look at Mirror, and it's not just the hair color. You can tell that what they're trying to do there is is kind of having an under the sea Black Widow down to the fighting style. Um, and while Amber Heard, I think, is good, I don't think she's Scarlett Johansson good. Um, the, the thing about Scarlett Johansson is that she finds a way to like have chemistry with everyone. Like, there's no, you know, there's no scene where she's talking to someone and you're going like, wow, there's nothing here. It's like, it, it's a fundamental part of the character that she she can get under people's skin, even if they don't realise. And I think it might be the one, I think it might be the one Marvel movie as well where they kind of strip away the sexuality. It's not, mm-hmm. she's not, she's not there to be sexy and she's not there to be a love interest for anyone and she's not there to be ogled in any way or even use her sexuality as a weapon she's just she's just uh, she's just you know just trying to survive yeah just just another character in this weird twisted world that the winter soldier creates mm-hmm. um she is also obviously this year in avengers infinity war but i think she, there she really is used as an action figure yeah <laughs> i mean the facts that the big, the, the big uh, scene where she and Banner meet for the first time since Age of Ultron again, and they kind of go, "Oh, hey, we don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on." The, uh, <clears throat> the most interesting character change in this movie is that she's now blonde. Yeah. So, like, you know that if that's your big, big reveal, she changed mm. her hair color. Yeah, we can't, we can't nominate it for Infinity War, but for Winter Soldier, if nothing else, like so many of those scenes are just pure little character bits of her and Steve talking. We get to spend some proper time with her in this in this movie. So counterpoint: Does anyone want to make the case for Evangeline Lilly? Because if you don't, I will. Nah, I'll let you. I think so, James. I know you're not a fan of the movie. Um, first of all, I mean, she changed her hair, so you, you must be happy with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the It works bob, on but... two levels. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is, uh, the one I think undisputed. She's a, she's a lead actress. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. Her name is in the, t- the Wasp is in the title. And I know some people had complaints and felt that, she wasn't as central as Ant-Man and that she did. I, 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 the one thing I do buy is that she doesn't have quite the kind of, um, the kind of outer life that Scott has. She doesn't have the friends. She does She, it, she basically has her dad, mm-hmm. but that is a facet of the character. Um, but I, I, you know, I think eventually Lily kind of builds on what she did in the first film, but this time she just fully embraces being a superhero. Um, yeah. And I think she's great, but I can tell that I've not got much support in this, so I, I mean, shall move my, on. <laughs> my problem with Evangeline Lilly slash 
Hope Van Dyne is that in Ant Man Two, I don't really feel the continuity of the character. Like I've said this before. Oh but... yeah, no, we we massively disagree on this. Yeah, I just I feel like <laughs> there's there's not much of an interior life there or anything. It's just she is female superhero with the same powers as Scott, mm. and you know, and also she's still got that thing of like he's the fun wacky screw up, and she's the stern, you know, professional one. And it's like, oh yeah, we've seen that dynamic a million times. Like if, at least with the Black Widow, it's like they're operating as equals. Whereas in in Man Two, it's the same again. It's like he's, you know, uh, it's like this all those Seth Rogen films where, you know, there's a a man child and a bunch of hot women saying like, oh grow up, grow up, so I can fuck you. <laughs> um, we disagree on Evangeline Lily, but she's not going to win here, so <laughs> fine. Um, Seb, what do you think? Uh, do you agree with James on Scarlett Hansen or Zoe Saldana? Anyone else in the list? I think it could be either Scarlett Hansen or Zoe Saldana. Um, it's not. It really isn't a super distinguished year for giving the actresses something to do. Um. I think I feel like probably beforehand I probably would have more made the argument for Scarlett Johansson based on Winter Soldier um but I think what you're what you're made to feel about what happens to Gamora um I think probably swings it in favor of Zoe Saldana James you haven't said anything about Zoe Saldana do you uh, no I I completely agreed with your assessment um, I the, I guess the thing that maybe clinches it for me is that there's probably a better Scarlett Johansson Black Widow performance out there, and I think this is as good as Zoe Saldana is going to get. I mean, I hope I'm not going to have a Gamora that. solo movie, right? So, oh no, <laughs> it, maybe she'll be good in our Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> we'll be lucky if we get a third Guardians film. Yeah, or maybe unlucky if we do. Who knows? Hmm. We shall see. So, Zoe Saldana, Best Actress 2018? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on now to Best Actor, which similarly has been won by um, the same actor two times previously. Hugh Jackman has won this award in the last two years. um, And uh, I think that was for X-Men and last year a combination of X2 and Logan, which, fair enough. Um, (laughs) and, um, And Robert Downey Jr. is the other winner of this award. Um, making the top five list this year, Tom Hardy for Venom, Will Smith for Men in Black, uh, Chris Evans for Winter Soldier and Infinity War, Josh Brolin for Infinity War, and I'm Christopher... <laughs> and, well, uh, I think that, that would have been crossed off in supporting, probably. Um, <laughs> and Christopher Reeve for, for uh, Superman 3. Right. So you know how throughout this entire awards I generally <laughs> backed down. I've been saving it up. This is not going to anybody other than Christopher Reeve for Superman three. But what if neither? What if seven? <laughs> said what if James and I both say no fifth favorite? It just doesn't mathematically. It doesn't work. Then I then mathematically the you down a guest for the podcast for the future. <laughs> no, because, okay, right. Look. It, you can't disagree that in general Christopher Reeve as Superman is 
one of the best acting performances in the genre. And with the possible exception of a couple of moments in the first film, most of his best work is in this one. And he's fighting against a, a film that's not that good, and yet he's turning in absolutely some of his best stuff in the role. It's the last opportunity we're going to get to give it to him because we're sure as hell not going to give him it for Superman 4. Um, but no, I mean, just just even without that and even without the context of what he'd done before this and what he'd done after, what he does in this film, the it's not even that just he successfully plays a good, evil version of Superman. It is the gradual steps that he takes towards that and it, I, you know, I already talked about it in detail on the episode where we did it, but it's that moment in Lana's house when he suddenly turns a bit creepy and it's so subtle and so well played. And it's that little moment when he sits there for just a little bit too long. And I'm sorry, but nobody else who's nominated in this category does anything like what he does in that film. It's James. I, you, you no one else in this category. I'm sorry, <laughs> James. No one else in this category sits there for a little bit too long. Do, <laughs> <laughs> James, who would you just 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 for the sake of argument, who would you make the case for outside of um, Christopher Reeve? Oh, um. Do you need reminding of the nominees? <laughs> Josh yeah. Brolin, Chris Evans, Lee, uh, um. I was about to say Lee Smith. That is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith mixed together. Uh, Will Smith and Tom Hardy. Okay, so Tom Hardy, no chance. Like, most acting, Tom Hardy, yeah, but not best acting. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Josh Brolin... Disagree. I mean, Cable, yeah, we've already struck that off. Thanos, I think, he's he's under so much CGI. I'm sure it was performance capture or whatever, but... You know, it's basically a voice performance, right? For, well, n- I no, um, I don't think it is basically a voice performance. But I think what is what is in what increasingly I am hearing about voice performances, sorry, about about uh, motion capture performances is yes, there is there is an incredible lot of acting that goes into it. Having said that, if they do want to fix something with CGI that the actor has not done quite as well as the animators would like. The animators can fix it. I mean, I feel like it, you know, I'm sure he did a lot of performing. I'm not sure how much of it ended up on the screen. Well, I mean, just a lot of Thanos is, you know, is fighting. Just Brolin said, and this was whilst promoting Deadpool 2, said he was more proud of his work in Infinity War because he thought he was going to turn up and just, Mm -hmm. you know, speak, you know, have his face captured and carry on. And what he actually saw was his performance up there on the screen. Yeah, fair. That doesn't necessarily come across to me as a viewer. So, you've discounted Tom Hardy. You've discounted Josh Brolin. That leaves us with Chris Evans and Will Smith, if if we are going to mount a case against Seth. I, the thing is, I sort of agree with Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I do as well. We haven't, we haven't on, so have I wasted my... Uh... <laughs> yeah, absolutely wasted it. But your chips have been cashed in. You can't return them now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Chris Reeve is fantastic in Superman 3. Um, I mean, he fights his, himself and it's great. Um, I would have I would have made a case for Tom Hardy, but 
I've got one person who didn't see the movie and one person who doesn't appreciate the performance <laughs> on the podcast with me. Uh, so, yeah, Christopher Reeve wins Best Actor for 2018. Um, and we move on now to uh, something which is going to be incredibly difficult, given how the best new <laughs> film category went. We are going to be talking about the best film we have covered on the podcast in 2018. The nominees are, see if you remember any of these, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Black Panther, Captain America The Winter Soldier, and The Dark Knight. What a shocking list that is. <laughs> Was that was, a serious question? Was because that was my five nominations. Was that everybody's five nominations, or did anybody nominate anything different? Uh, no, we also so the the only film that um, was also nominated that didn't make it in was Men in Black, right? Um, and it yeah just just edged out by Infinity War and Winter Soldier. I think I nominated Men in Black over Infinity War. So, so really, the question is: whichever turns out to be the best of the three best new films, are either of Winter Soldier or Dark Knight ahead of those? Well, let's 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 make the case for either. This feels of those. like something we could spend an entire podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said previously, when I ra- when I rank my Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, because that feels like the easiest way to begin, I go. Black Panther, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, literally five, six, seven in my in my MCU rankings. How do they shake out for you guys? Infinity War, Black Panther, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Black Panther. Winter Soldier's top of the list for me. So it's very essentially what we've done is we've taken a three horse race in the last category and make it more difficult with a four horse race. <laughs> well, it depends if you want to throw Dark Knight into the conversation or not. Although well, I suspect James I mean, doesn't. But I think we should. Well, no, uh, James did nominate this for best film. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a monster. <laughs> it's the best Batman film by far. You can't can't disagree with that. Maybe not by far, but yes, I, I think it probably is by the far. best Batman film by some distance. <laughs> Seb, 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 you could probably. That's probably not an argument. We need. We don't need to manufacture arguments here. No, I agree. Um, it's, it, it's the best Batman film. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. the best Batman film. So, I mean, this is this is an incredibly strong list. By the way, in previous years, we've given this award to the Avengers, Spider Man Two, and Spider Man. Um, so it's a yeah. So I mean, until last year, we basically gave it to the best film with Spider Man in it. <laughs> <laughs> and if Infinity, Infinity War, War wins, it? it could still be. Well, it comes to. Hang on, Spider Verse did get nominated as well. Yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to, is it? I don't think you guys feel strongly enough about it. To... Listen, I know. I, I I feel like we can have a. We can we can narrow this down. Of the two non-new movies, which are the Dark Knight and Winter Soldier, ra- rank those one and two. Seb, Winter Soldier, Dark Knight. James. <sighs> I mean, Dark Knight, Winter Soldier. I enjoy uh, Winter Soldier more, but Dark Knight is the better film. And I go, I go Dark Knight over Winter Soldier as well. So Winter so, Soldier's out of the running. Winter Soldier's out of the running. So rank me the two movies that star Spider Man: Infinity War and Into the Spider Verse. God. Well, we already did this earlier. <laughs> no, but it's just these two now, so that we will be able to break this deadlock. 
No, but what I mean is we already know the answer because we all already did that earlier. But do it again for the for the for the purpose of this. Infinity War, Spider Verse. <laughs> Spider Verse, Infinity War. And I go Spider Verse, Infinity War. So that is Infinity War out. Wow! Finally voted down. It only took two and a half hours. <laughs> it took even look. This is it's taken as long as it's actually going to take to defeat Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> So we're down to the Dark Knight, Black Panther, and Into the Spider Verse, and it's it's taken some hook and crook to get there. Um, okay, so here here is my thing. In Into the Spider Verse is essentially a superhero film about how great it is to be a superhero. The yeah. Dark Knight and Black Panther both feel like they are more ambitious. I, I want to raise a procedural issue here because what you've done is you've eliminated Infinity yeah. War by only putting it against Into the Spider-Verse and not yeah. against Black Panther, which it was up against in the best new film. You have, by default, put yeah. Black Panther through ahead of Infinity War, even yeah. though it was deadlocked with it earlier and but we I could do it third out of those three. <laughs> well, do we can we can vote Black Panther against Spider-Verse. I'm just trying to get us to a conclusion, Seb. <laughs> well, I think we should give it to Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> solves that problem doesn't it <laughs> I do you know what I, I, I... Uh, okay I, you know right you know I fucking hate Christopher Nolan and everything he stands for I don't think in 10 years time people are still going to talk about Infinity War and Black Panther quite as affectionately as people still talk about The Dark Knight I I think they're still. Gonna I think it'd be Black close, Panther, and but I think they're still going to love Infinity War. I think but you I make think... a good point. I think even even given how much money Infinity War's made, and given how much it's being talked about now, mm. I think I think you're right in terms of cultural impact. I think Dark Knight has had a cultural impact that's just ridiculous. If for, nothing for else, right? If genre. nothing else, it feels like these films can be surpassed by their sequels, given the right I... circumstances. I don't think we're ever going to see a Batman film quite as good as The Dark Knight again. And I think I feel like it's it has taken until partly p- p- most of Wonder Woman and Aquaman this year for the DC movies finally to emerge out from the Dark Knight shadow. And by that, I don't mean that like produced better movies. I mean stop trying to be yeah the Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan movies because that like that movie was was so popular. And we, we, you can talk about the trilogy, but it's the dark. The Dark Knight is the reason for this, um, and and the Dark Knight is the one that most succinctly sums up that tone. I think that the, the DC movies have been chasing being that, and not just the DC movies. I think a lot of like serious minded blockbusters, if you know what I mean, have tried have, have tried to be the Nolan Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Um. I personally, the reason, the reason I, I mean, the reason I would put it above, like in in those terms anyway, put it above Infinity War, is I, I, I think people, I think Marvel will come along and do better versions of Infinity War. Personally, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's just the one that we've seen so far. Um, it, you know, it's possible that Sony will come along and make you know movies in the Spider Verse universe that are better than Into the Spider Verse. Um, and and my one worry there is that just the extreme recency bias. I mean, I I do love Into the Spider Verse. I really do love it. Um, and and like I say, I have a problem with the Dark Knight right at the end with those boat scenes. 
but I remember when we came back and watched that movie, and I kind of it had been a while since I'd seen it after probably watching it quite quite a lot in the couple of years after it had come out. Um, it was amazing to me quite how well it had aged, mm. um, and that and you know that Heath Ledger performance in the center of it. It's it is hard to it's kind of hard to see past, and I wonder whether actually it makes most sense to award Dark Knight the best film, let the other three fight it out in the best new film category, <laughs> and then in ten years' time we can revisit yeah. it. <laughs> I, I think I think the biggest argument in favour of it is that James is even considering it. I think I think that I think like that's I say, your argument I'm, right there. I'm not a monster. <laughs> you know, you best film you of 2018. Best film for 2018 for Cinematic Universe is. The Dark Knight. The other three will leave that argument to be had on Twitter. We'll put up the vote after the podcast, and you and listeners, you can try and settle the vote for us. But I mean, good luck with that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so we move on to our, our very final award. So it, it, over the years on Cinematic Universe, on these award shows, we have we have decided to open up a Hall of Fame. Where should we build it, guys? Where would the would it have to be in New York? At the, no, a, a cinematic... <laughs> what, like a little fortress of solitude? Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, in Un- we'll, we'll break Arctic, ground in Antarctic. Antarctic by the way. Okay, no, we'll break that's ground why in... it's in Antarctica, because there's already one in the Arctic. <laughs> All right, okay, there we go. <laughs> so we are breaking ground in Antarctica on our Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. It feels like it's probably not going to get many visitors. Um, fortress in of previous fame years... <laughs> Of copytude? <laughs> that sounds wrong. Yeah. Uh, so in previous years, we have put Nicolas Cage, Hayley Atwell, Sam Raimi, Hugh Jackman, Michael Keaton, and Laurie Petty into the Cinematic Universe Hall <laughs> of Fame. Petty. When did we put Laurie Petty in? <laughs> we put her in last year, and it came real close between... Uh, because we were just like, she's so great in that, and we're never going to get to talk her, talk about her again. And that does tend to be... I must be... Been really drunk by that point. I don't remember <laughs> that conversation at all. <laughs> it... It tends to be that we have to, we 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 come down to, are we going to get a chance to put this person in again? I mean, Nick Cage, we thought we were done with, and here we are. To, you know, <laughs> he was in he was in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse and <laughs> Teen Titans Go to the Movies this year. Um, I'm just imagining that party and like everyone being like, why is why is Laurie Petty here? <laughs> <laughs> so cruel. Um, so. We have, uh, in the first year, we inducted one person, two in the second year, three in the third. Uh, We're inducting four people in this year. Um, And guys, I think we can start off. We've done nominations for this, and there was one person that was on all of our lists. And it feels like a very appropriate time to induct Stanley into the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. I mean, if not for the fact that there are some others I want to talk about and that we are doing the expanding it each year thing, I would have been happy with Stanley being the only inductee this year, just to really make a point of it. Because If if only for being the highest grossing actor of all time. Well, it's, it's almost like this perfect storm of things of... This year, obviously, you know, we had yet more of his his cameos. This year is the year that he passed away. It's the year that, with with Infinity War, like what Stanley started to build with Marvel, kind of reached, if not fruition, then certainly like the purest expression of it on a cinema yeah, screen. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Like, the and idea then we... that that he sat down at a desk, like as basically Marvel's only full time employee. Yeah, on the creative side, if nothing else, and 
you know, 50 years later, we've got all this. Yeah. And, and it, it, there's a direct line back to him. Like, yeah. obviously, he worked with artists and production people and, you know, lots of support staff. But creatively speaking, there was so much just for him and like what he what he came up with now dominates the cultural conversation such mm. that everyone is trying to imitate it. And then the fact we- that we ended the year with Into the Spider-Verse, which, <laughs> you know, ended up being this celebration of his greatest creation or co-creation. Um, you know, notwithstanding obviously the fact that this was the year that Steve Ditko died as well, and that tribute at the end. Um, uh, you know, obviously you've got his cameo, and then you've got that that tribute at the end with that quote from him about what a superhero is. And I'm welling up slightly just thinking about it. It's just you know, <laughs> you never want there to have been a year that is the year that Stan Lee died, but um. If it had to be anything. Yeah, yeah everything this kind was of... The, year for it. the thing yeah. <laughs> I, I also want to point out, he makes a great cameo in Teen Titans Go. <laughs> yes. Is, you know, the competition. Like, that's yeah. the level of, of cultural treasure he's become, is that the, even it, his direct rivals are like, come and do your thing. Yeah, and the joke is, isn't it, that, that hey, this is a DC movie, and he's like, I don't care. <laughs> um... So yeah, Stanley is a no-brainer. So we have three more slots in the Hall of Fame. Um, the uh, it's a real sausage fest this year, year guys. Not gonna lie, but the other names that we um, have put forward are Vincent D'Onofrio, Toby Maguire, Heath Ledger, Josh Brolin, J.K. Simmons, Tommy Lee Jones, and Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. <laughs> well, Joss Whedon was uh, did Dot Horrible Sing Along blog, and we haven't put him in. Prior to this, I don't want to put him in there. I don't want to put him in there. there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's probably not the year, is it? No. Hmm. Um, um, I would very much. I mean, I can't imagine that you're going to disagree, but I'd very much like to make the case for J.K. Simmons. Um, you know, two-time winner of Best Supporting Actor, and then this year we could. You know, he didn't get in for Best Supporting Actor this time, but you know, his last performance as J. Jonah Jameson. And he what, is the best part of that film by a long yeah. way. And and what he brought to that role and those films, you know, even more so than Heath Ledger, like he has defined that character on the screen in a way that it's just basically impossible for yeah. anybody else to follow. I mean, him. it's notable he was not in, um, the character was not in the Amazing Spider-Man films because they knew they couldn't do better. Yeah. Or in or in or in the MCU so far, or yeah. in Into the Spider Verse, and in that uh, in the Spider Man PS4 game, they've essentially got someone doing a J.K. Simmons impression hmm. for their version of Jonah. So, like that's you know, eighteen years of a character being defined by one performance. Here's the question, though, guys: We also have Toby Maguire on this list, who has not been inducted yet. Would you put J.K. Simmons in over Tobey Maguire? And I, I, I imagine there's some listeners listening to this and going, why would you put Tobey Maguire in anyway? It's not really that good. I disagree, but I know, I know that there is that sentiment out there. If, if I could only put one in, it would be J.K. Simmons. I think we should put both in. Mm. And, you know, well, hopefully they won't argue too much. Mm. Okay, but then we have to find the spots for them. Um I know that the influence only extends to one movie, but 
can you have a comic book movie Hall of Fame and not put in Heath Ledger? Agree. So that that puts Heath Ledger right there in contention. Um, the other I, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. I, you can't him. put Tommy Lee Jones no. in in the year of Batman Forever. Yeah, I mean, who <laughs> the degree. hell nominated? Yeah, so <laughs> let's <laughs> eliminate Men in Black. But if in if black if is... we if we had done Men in Black and First Avenger in the same year, I'd say maybe, but yeah. not in the year that we did Batman Forever. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, and then we've got Josh Brolin. I'm going to say now is not the time for Josh Brolin. We know that he's he's an active part of two Marvel franchises. <laughs> I think we can wait on Josh Brolin. Yeah. Is that agreed? Nothing agreed. else will get another chance next year, right? So Yeah. Mm. Okay, so what then I feel like the argument we probably need to have is who goes in of Vincent D'Onofrio and Tobey Maguire. So Vincent D'Onofrio has finished up his Kingpin role this year. He was also Edgar Bug, who was I think you know we haven't spoken enough about this podcast. It's great <laughs> is is a great comic book villain, um, and Kingpin. I I mean you know what I think about Kingpin. I think that performance is just fantastic. So I I would love to hear you guys your guys thoughts on Toby Maguire or Vincent D'Onofrio. Because Tobey Maguire was just such a, like, when there were no superhero films that were properly good, he was doing what essentially became the template for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, the character-focused performance. Because, you know, as good as the X-Men films were, as good as the Batman films were, there was nothing like... His Peter Parker. I don't know. It's tough. Seb, what are I, your thoughts? I don't really have a dog in the fight because you know, obviously, I don't, I don't, I, I really like Vincent D'Onofrio generally, but obviously, I don't have the attachment to either of these roles of his that you two both do. And with Tobey Maguire, I can see the point. I just think that time has lessened the feeling of of what he did in those films and we've already got Sam Raimi and J.K. Simmons in there representing you know what is undoubtedly a high watermark of superhero cinema cinema at least for the first two films I mean I do like the idea of putting Tobey Maguire in in the year that we've covered Spider-Man 3 (laughs) with the the dance sequence um I don't feel desperately strongly like he has to go in ahead of Vincent D'Onofrio I don't feel desperately strongly that Vincent D'Onofrio has to go in, so I'm I'm happy to leave this to you guys to thrash out, to be honest. Of the two, I would say Tobey Maguire, but I don't feel strongly enough to argue massively for it, as long as we've got Heath Ledger, J.K. Simmons and Stan Lee in there. Yeah. Uh, James, yeah. Do, you, do, you lean, do you lean one way or the other? I think... It, I think D'Onofrio, because... I can't imagine seeing a better version of the Kingpin. We've definitely seen two worse versions of the Kingpin. I feel like mm. we've seen better versions of Spider-Man this year. And Tobey yeah. Maguire, you know, did good things, but he was not a definitive Peter Parker and he's done bad things as well, like Spider-Man 3. Okay. Just for the dance. I want him in there just doing the dance. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Right, yeah, so I, th- I think we're agreed then. So, um, the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame now has 10 members. It will go up to 15 next year. Um, <laughs> this is, yep. <laughs> we better hope we figure something out with this, otherwise, it's this gonna room's going to get crowded. <laughs> this Listen, is Richard Herring and his Ferrero Rocher all over again. I will just point out that we, we haven't put in a Captain America on Iron Man yet, and Endgame's coming up next year, so. There's mm. probably going to be probably going to be some spots up for grabs for those guys. And we haven't put Reeve in yet, and there'll probably be a Superman for the next year. So yes, we're, that, that, I think that is the only reason he's not showed up on this list. <laughs> <laughs> he's still got another chance. So uh, currently in the Hall of Fame: Nicholas Cage, Haley Atwell, Sam Raimi, Hugh Jackman, Michael Keaton, Laurie Petty, Stanley, Laurie Vincent Petty. D'Onofrio, Heath Ledger, <laughs> and J.K. Simmons. Sam Imagine if, make a great film. If, if if one of Christopher Reeve and Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. don't get in there, but Laurie Petty is. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you're only arguing with yourselves from a year ago. <laughs> you picked you picked her over Patrick Stewart. I listened back this morning. <laughs> okay, uh, so we'll we'll move on now to um, uh, the last the last couple of bits of the podcast, guys. We do this every year. What is your best comic book of 2018? So nothing, not not anything that we've co- covered on the podcast. Just what's what's the best comic that people should go out and read that was do released we, this year? Do we say Giant Days every year? We say Giant Days every year because the answer is Giant Days every year. It really yeah. is still. It's just and it just keeps being like you think it's got about as good as it could be, and then it just pulls something else out of the bag. It's, it's just so funny. Like there are like four jokes a panel. It is so good. Is there anything else interesting in your comics you want to talk about from this year? <laughs> uh, I mean, Lost Light slash more than Transformers, more than meets the eye finished. I would highly recommend buying all of that and reading it in one go because it's great. <laughs> I think this was also mentioned yeah, in yeah. previous uh, years. I pick. I've got three things that I think won't be we haven't mentioned in previous years. So Avengers did a weekly series uh, called Avengers No Surrender, which I think was still this year. Might have started last year, but anyway, that I think it was maybe like 20, 30 issues or something. But that was a really good long form Avengers story that had, you know, all of these characters in just great, you know, great fun. Um, Gave you that sort of widescreen, like tons of superheroes coming together to have one big global fight feeling that you know infinity war sort of replicated basically it was like a mini crossover but self-contained within an avengers book it just came out so quickly and and gave you pure superheroics um it's probably one of the best things marvel's done this year with the exception of chip starsky's spectacular spider-man there are some fantastic issues of that not least the one that uh, I imagine Seb would like to talk about the J. Jonah Jameson issue. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was. It was actually the annual, um, and it was written by Chip Starsky and drawn by Mike Allred, um, and it was just. Um, uh, you know, we just we just talked before about how much we like the character of J. Jonah Jameson, and him and his relationship with Peter has been one of the best things about Starsky's writing of Spider Man, um, and yeah, this was just a really great standalone issue about the character of Jonah um, but also Zdarsky finished on the book this year and his last issue uh, which he also drew as well as writing was like 
an exploration of Spider-Man and what Spider-Man means to him. And surprisingly, that's something that's the kind of thing that me and James get quite a <laughs> kick out of. <laughs> Yeah, um, and the only other comic that I've been really like super enjoying is uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Tempest. Uh, it's hard to recommend for everyone because it relies heavily <laughs> on previous League of Extraordinary Gentlemen lore. And me and Seb both had the same experience this week where we opened the latest issue, uh, watched as a pair of 3D glasses slid out of the book. <laughs> Thought, oh god it's oh, one of those I'll read that later. <laughs> yeah i'm not going to read this at 10 o'clock yeah, because you know it's alan moore and alan moore can be a lot of work sometimes you know yeah, rewarding but the, work but work well the good thing about the first couple of issues and particularly the first one was that they were a little bit more back to basics it was a bit yeah. more like the fun of the first couple of volumes not the later stuff which i, I like the later stuff but in a very different way this yeah. third one seems to be more him going back but it's, it's just it's nice to have it back and actually um you know uh, coming to some sort doing of it quite well yeah. yeah well yeah but you always think it's coming to a conclusion and it never seems to but this is the last volume so is it actually because he said that about you know everything since black dossier has supposedly been the last one so <laughs> i'm i'm not taking that to the bank um i would also actually quite like to recommend a, a marvel book that i wasn't expecting to be as good as it was which is west coast avengers um, by Kelly Thompson, and I, I can't remember who the artist is. And actually, Kelly Thompson generally has impressed me massively this year because yeah, she her, also um, did a really great digital-only Jessica Jones series. That is true, and she did the uh, Gambit and Rogue slash Mr. and Mrs. X series, which is yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, but West Coast Avengers is an awful lot of fun. It is the it is the closest Marvel book I've read to like Justice League International. You know, it's a it's a funny superhero team book with great characters um written well and yeah just really really enjoyable so um highly recommend that one i actually think recently there has been a bit of a i still don't think marvel's overall direction is going great but there started to be some really good individual books again um whereas over at dc um i'm enjoying the superman stuff um the bendis superman stuff is is pretty enjoyable um tom king's batman it's having ups and downs it's kind of it's still it's interesting the direction he's going but it's also it's taking quite a while to get there now and the fact that they're on like issue 60 and he says he's got it mapped out to like issue 110 or something and it's a bit <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory um <laughs> that's what happens when you get someone used to toppling countries to <laughs> oh he plays um, the long game the funny thing about tom king is that obviously been, he's been writing a very good batman run he's written the excellent mr miracle uh, which finished this year, but also he's writing um, Heroes in Crisis, which is DC's current event, and it's dreadful. It's <laughs> it, it's it's so bad. It's hard to imagine it's the same writer. Um, but actually, one other thing I just surprisingly recommend from DC, and I can't remember if I think we probably did talk about it on our Green Lantern episode because it had come out just before it. But Green Lantern Earth One, um, original graphic novel, the Earth One books are the ones that are set in their own continuity. The Superman ones are dreadful by j michael straczynski uh the green lantern one is great it's a totally fresh uh, flip twist on on the idea of of, of green lantern and, and who hal jordan is and what his relationship with the green lantern core is it's not like any version of green lantern you've read before but it would make a great movie um and that's just as a standalone read if you've got no knowledge of green lantern beforehand I, it's a it's a really enjoyable book actually fantastic Lots of lots of good comics out there, um, but basically, again, Giant you know, Days is the best. 
Fair enough, as as is the case every year. Um, and this is the point normally on uh on our awards on our award shows where we would talk about the pitch and look back at some of our favourite pitches from the year. Uh, but obviously the pitch has it's gone away, and we thought the only fair thing to do because the pitch went away and we got some response from our listeners and on on social media and it was like whoa. Do people like the pitch? I mean, it's never seemed like people were really passionate about the pitch, but then we took it away and people got excited. Um, so we thought we'd do um, we'd do a little bit of a Jason Todd with this one, guys. <laughs> we're going to put it to a vote. Come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to put it to a uh, listener vote. Um, this will go up on Twitter alongside the Best New Film poll. Um, and we want you to vote on whether we should kill the pitch or not. If you vote for us to kill it, it will never come back. We might we might replace it with something else in the new year, but the pitch is dead and gone. If you vote to bring it back to life, our next episode will have a pitch on it. So, you know, the power is in your hands. If you want to kill it like you killed Jason Todd, then do that. But if you don't, we'll bring it back. I just want to say, we killed the pitch because normally we got to the end of marathon, like three-hour recording sessions, and then we had to do a pitch. <laughs> And we have lives, lives and jobs and children. <laughs> so if you want to make James miserable. <laughs> no, no, don't pitch it that way. Don't. <laughs> if you want to make you Seb want to, miserable. If you want to make James miserable, vote to bring back the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. I do, actually, I, I do actually miss it, you guys. So, <laughs> Well, you just need to give us like what it is further in advance than an hour before the start of the podcast. Uh, no, I had given. I had now given you a week's notice because we moved it to the... <laughs> and so whilst that was a complaint you could have had a year ago, I moved it to this and both of you on a weekly basis went, shit, what was it? I haven't thought about it since last week. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, guys, l- look out on Twitter for our votes for uh, the best new film category and for whether or not to kill the pitch. Um, but that is it for this week's podcast. That's it for this year's awards. And that's it for Cinematic Universe in 2018. Uh, when we come back, we will be like four years old as a podcast. So that's very exciting. Um, lots of exciting films to cover in the new year. Um, not least the new releases that uh, we've been looking over. And <laughs> holy crap, it could be another year like this year. Um <laughs> Um, and also some X-Men movies coming out Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah so uh, thanks for um, spending time with us thanks for listening to the podcast in in 2018 and hopefully you return uh, in 2019 to go on the journey with us uh, as we enter our fifth year James James 7 Joe will return (laughs) James 7 Joe will return because we let because we let Christopher Eve win Best Actor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will see you next year. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.